Hey everybody, welcome to episode 12 of season 2 of Red Wings Rant. We have some things to celebrate, and guess what? We don't have an ad, so Mike, woo, you're coming right in. Um, like being ad free, baby. Yeah. Um, we are talking, of course, uh, first series with the Detroit Red Wings. We'll get you prepped for the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, but uh, let's let's see if Matt can keep talking and move his Google Chrome tabs to one side of the screen and his notes to the other. He did it. All right, cool, Mike. Um, that's me. We, you were spitting fire, Matt. Uh, that's before, you. <laughs> before we started recording, yeah. Um, it was quite a bit of fire. You were. I was hot. I felt you like were, Mickey Redman in the booth. Yeah, you were. You were pretty angry at uh, some of the things that Blashill was saying to try and like, I don't know, put out some fires. Or he was like, "No, seriously, guys, game one was close." Um, look, it's fine. I get it. We, uh, all, we can all say it was close. And then uh, I, I've heard on some of our rival podcasts where they look for some analytics which is um mike that is not how science works you do the experiment and say what the results are you don't hear what somebody says and go which analytic could make this make sense um, Let me find a stat to support me <laughs> um, now, honestly it happens all the time i i we've had uh uh Dyer and jay fresh hockey on and i am kicking myself still because i didn't get to ask either one of them about that but I will, I, I will say one of them, and it was their show, is the one that did the thing I don't like. Where, yeah. all right. Well, well, I think uh, kind of watching the two games, Matt. I'm going to say right. a few things. One, I should never go to Vegas because I totally picked the two game scores wrong, so I just lost money twice. But <laughs> I was, I was right on the podcast, so I would bring that. Um, uh, to the collection room to try and get some money back that I think it's going to be a 50-50 split and these Red Wings are probably going to win maybe like 40% of their games, maybe 45 uh, if they can split. I don't think they're going to continue to win half, but... Um, well, that's that's the interesting thing is, is like, we analytically, we still were outshot, outpossessed. I mean, it, it looks yeah. like we still could have lost this game to Carolina, um and and we win four to two so i what i'm worried about is if it you know like like you said and we talked about it last week it's it's the game to game adjustments that are going to be uh key for the red wings this season to find some success and it looks like we made some huge adjustments but is every first game gonna be a complete blowout (laughs) yeah i don't don't know if that's like uh you know uh (laughs) We just practice in the first one and kind of, yeah, okay. Let, let, right. Can we break down game one real quick and then yeah. get to the fun game in game two? All right, Blackwell, yeah. I, I told you. He, I, he won me over when he rolled his eyes at, I think it was an Art Regner question. It was a beautiful moment. He gave that stupid-ass question exactly the answer it deserved. All right. With that said, <laughs> that was not a close game in game one. Um that was a 100% slaughter by Carolina. Uh, it was the fascinating how awful our offense was. It was literally, we had one play that we ran for 60 minutes where we would, if Larkin wasn't on the ice, we waited three line changes for him to get back on. And we would just have him start from behind our blue line, skate it 
up across center ice, try to dump it. Somebody gets in his way. Carolina immediately brings it back into our zone. And we didn't just do it once or twice or three times. We did it every single play for three periods. <laughs> and, and it didn't work a single time. And Mickey <laughs> Redmond was like, well, I guess we're going to try this again. And it's one to nothing, two to nothing. And Larkin did it again. He's like, well, play hasn't worked yet. Here comes Dylan again. Well, there's a turnover and it goes back. <laughs> um, so I felt I, bad for Mickey having to call that game because it was just like you wanted to pull your hair out. You could like Carolina looked like all their guys were six foot six, all muscle. They just controlled the play the entire time. We couldn't do anything. Uh, but Matt, I don't know if you want to linger on game one because we did have game two and we 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 turned it around. I. Uh, um, I tweeted out uh, the uh, the shot chart from game one. I wonder if uh, if Matt's going to have the ability to pull this up. But I actually, I made the joke looking at it where I was like, this looks like I just sneezed, up, sneezed on my phone. Like, it was disgusting. Um, it, <laughs> it's the, uh, There's the high danger scoring chances, right? There's that statistic. And right. it game one was so rough that I questioned... Uh, the the compilation of the high danger scoring chance because it felt like we had exactly zero of those it it felt like it was just a just an onslaught we we didn't bring anything to the table that was like a defensive clinic uh, when you have the the game on rookie and Carolina was just abusing poor Detroit who was just so undermanned well, I don't know oh good my mouse is working uh, so yeah. for anybody listening to, li- listening to the podcast you're not going to be able to see this but if you're watching on YouTube. It's this area where we're we're like, okay, we got some high danger scoring chances, cool. Uh, but if you pull up the heat map, Mike, and we we have that saved as well, that's where you just see big, wide open white space on the Red Wings page. And, and again, like I said, this looks like I sneezed on my phone when I'm looking at at my phone at this page of these little blue dots. Like it's it's pathetic when you look at the Carolina Hurricanes page for this game for the game one. And it's just a smattering of, I mean, it looks like maybe I sneezed twice or three times on the Carolina Hurricanes page, but uh, I mean, everything about this was uh, stomach. I would say it looks like somebody punched you in the the nose and drew blood and there's just just red Carolina blood all over our side of the ice because it was (laughs) bad. Well, maybe I can. Uh, here's here's. Uh, I, I know we had the heat map too, but you can see it. it it's it's pretty small on the on the on the screen here, but it, it's there. Uh, but there's there's that heat map. Like you can just see the hurricanes had everything between the circles covered. Like it's just a big a big glop of chances and shots on net. And the Red Wings, for the most part, are held to the outside. You see how see how those. Those shots on the outside of the—I mean, sure, we did get up front, but you're not. Then you're then you're hoping for a rebound. You're hoping to turn it into a high danger scoring chance instead of what the Hurricanes did was was just pepper from the middle, like right between the circles. So again, um, it's fine. It's fine if we're gonna say like, sure, the scoring chances were close to even, still in Carolina Hurricanes' favor through two periods in Game One, but. Uh, I mean, the, then the third period, I think it was 90% to 10% hurricanes over the wings. Yeah. And that, that's probably where this heat map really got ugly. Well, let's let's stop talking game one, Mike. Yeah, let's, let's talk about, because Carolina mentioned it. Um, they, they were without Jordan Stahl, uh, just, you know, COVID precautions. Uh, but that is not the reason that the game changed. 
Um, it totally looked like, uh, I, I can't remember. I don't think it was Sveshnikov, but it was, you know, one of their top guys that uh, looked like Detroit did their homework and made some adjustments. It sure as fuck did. Um, <laughs> it, it felt like there was some real desperation. Um, I, I thought Zadina was a superhero um, in that game. Um, Absolutely. I know, I know he got some grief uh, about people saying, ah, look at him trying to do a Datsuk impression in game one. Well, game two, he was stealing pucks like Datsuk. Um, that's that's how our team's probably going to have to score goals is, you know, those kind of those kind of plays against the, you know, the boards. Um, it's it's such an effective way to play. I, in that game one, we just kept letting Carolina, as soon as, you know, we would do that awkward Larkin in a straight line, just crash into five hurricanes, and then they would just bring it forward in a Mighty Ducks uh, flying V formation. Uh, <laughs> so for us to, like, actually get it in their zone, or if they thought that, you know, hur hurricanes were controlling it, Zadina was just doing a beautiful job putting pressure on him. And that, that smile he had when he got to hit Bobby Ryan, and Bobby Ryan's, like, a legitimate, you know, adult goal scorer. Oh, my God. That had to feel like such relief. Um, big smiles to get off that schneid of no goals. Uh, so, so exciting there for, uh, for Bob. Um, and Matt, does he, as far as, uh, adjustments from one to two, do we put Bobby on that? My God, if he goes down, we're screwed list, uh, with Larkin and Mantha. Is I mean, it's true to say that. I, I mean, after that, uh, after that goal, it seemed like a, a, which was flipped. Like uh, we still got dominated again in the first period. And I, I think we were all kind of like hanging our heads. So we go down three to nothing. First period in that game was still pretty heavy Carolina, but after Bobby scored, I think uh, just, just to talk about the Red Wings on a whole, I, it really did seem to lift the whole team up to like a whole new level of play. The, the analytics still point to, this was in Carolina's favor, and we we pulled out a victory four to two. So again, there's a conversation about the goaltending and and how we can eliminate some of those high danger scoring chances and how we find a win. But if we're going to be able to like see a guy that's going to be passing and shooting the way like Bobby Ryan <laughs> was playing yesterday, it, it really did. Just I mean, I mean, if we want to play the eyeball test, let's forget the analytics. It really did like push this team to a whole nother level. Um, I mean, you heard Mickey talking about it too, where it was just the, the momentum was all on the Red Wings side after that goal, uh, yeah. at least for the rest of the second period. That that was their period. The, the third period kind of had its, its, its ebbs and flows. Um, but it, it was, Mike, it was nice to see. Like all last season, we saw the third period blowups. Like that's that's kind of what I what I was like holding my breath on was I, I didn't want to see – you know, especially with them scoring yeah. one minute into the third period. Yeah. I didn't want to see another third period stinger. Yeah. yeah. It would be like as soon as the other team got a goal or tied it up, we just totally deflate. Um, and it right. kind of felt like we would get re-energized, at least in this game. Like, yeah, let's get another one. Let's get them back, boys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, it looks so did, uh, out there. You know that uh, Svechnikov is the master of the Michigan goal. So I, I, of course, had to have fun when Larkin scored his goal. And I said, well, there, there's – there's the Detroit Red Wings and Dylan Larkin's version of the Michigan goal. Yeah. Um, of course, anybody uh, listening at home that, that the Michigan goal is that one where uh, Sveshnikov behind the net just picks up the puck and throws it behind the, you know, right, right over the goalie's shoulder. And Larkin, um, you know, th this is all about scrappiness. This is about 
uh, nose to the grind kind of play. Like it's, you know, all, throw all the cliches in there because that's how it happened, right? Like he's gun into the net, throws the puck out in front, and it just so happens to go in. And um, you talk about uh, Mickey Redmond called Svechnikov's goal, right? He called it a goal scorer's goal. Um, that Dylan Larkin goal is a captain's goal. I I, I want to say that. I, I know we didn't put a title on it last night. Mickey didn't put a title on it. But that, Mike, oh, my God. You want to talk about uh, guys making a difference? I thought Dylan Larkin, um, he struggled in game one. He definitely was at fault on that first goal in game one. And game two felt like he went, I'm – I'm the captain that I'm the captain now. Yeah. <laughs> <What's that kid? laughs> Dylan, like, no, this is my team. And you really took over that third. But I, I want to still like bring that back to your point of, of Bobby Ryan and, and making the huge difference because, you know, you take out Franz Nielsen and we all had our jokes. Um, I don't know how you take out an he, assistant captain, but I guess we do it now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the upgrade. I think it is, was easy to see, like between yeah. Franz Nielsen and Bobby Ryan. And the analytics are there, too, to say uh, the high danger chances. Uh, Bobby Ryan led the team. And uh, from an expected goals perspective, he was also in the positive. So uh, at least him being out there meant there was a better chance for the Red Wings to score than it was for the Carolina Hurricanes to score. And we didn't, you know he's on a million dollar contract. I, I just, this is Mike right now after one game of Bobby Ryan, this could be the exact opposite of Franz Nielsen. Like, not, not overpaid. He looks reliable. He, I mean the post game stuff. Oh my God. It, it's, he's so much fun to listen to. He, he, yeah. he sounds excited. He sounds like a new man. He's a new human, but um, everything about the Bobby Ryan story is always like, it's always inspiring. Um, but for that team and to finally come back to your question, I, if, if things are going to continue, I don't want to make like a huge statement right now, but after the, watching that game and seeing how he turned that team on, like, and pushed them to another level. Yeah. I think you, 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 you could be right in the sense, like there's, there's always a guy every season that kind of looks like. When they're not on, the rest of the team isn't on. Yeah. And it was two years ago we were making jokes about the Mike Green magic that whenever he was, like, entered the whole season. So not last season, but two two seasons ago. Then they, you would insert Mike Green into the lineup. He would have a terrible game, but we would win. <laughs> <laughs> now, Bobby Ryan did not have a terrible game, but I'm wondering if it's just going to be this, this magic that because of his high skill level, because of the attitude he's bringing to the ice – this is like, that's, that's that difference. And, and we saw it and we, like, you can't, the eyeball test is where we're doing this. So it is objective. Uh, but we, we definitely saw a completely different Red Wings team after that Bobby Ryan goal. It's uh it's kind of, uh, kind of scary. Um, I think, uh, Ken Daniels mentioned it towards the end of the, the three, nothing defeat. He's like, uh, the, uh, the Red Wings definitely have a little bit more depth this year, but they're still missing that big firepower to get goals in the net. And I don't know if we have that depth. Uh, I mean, we went down one of our top six guys, and we got slaughtered three to nothing. Uh, so I think if uh, uh, you know, we saw Bobby in there. We saw the first line and the second second line at, at full strength. You know, Zadina having uh, Fabry and Bobby to throw the puck to. 
worlds of difference. Um, it felt like, you know, two legitimate scoring lines, but God forbid either of those two lines loses anybody for one game. It suddenly <laughs> becomes a one-line team. Uh, <laughs> but with that said, uh, I did just want to throw uh, some props out to our boy Luke Glendening, who got the opening face-off uh, for game two because his line was the only one uh, that put any pressure on Carolina in game one. So, um, you know, just winning face-offs. I think, I think he had the best face-off game in uh, number two um, for our Red Wings. But, uh, yeah, his, his defense, I didn't want to go without mentioning him because he, he's not going to be one of our stars. I still think the, the star should be Zadina, Bobby Ryan. Fuck it, I'm going to put Luke at number three. Why not? And uh, <laughs> uh, But, yeah, just controlling the play, being scrappy, like you said, uh, fighting for pucks. Uh, that's, that's how you win. And whew, hopefully we get more game twos and less game ones, Matt. Well, I, I'll throw out there too. Like I wanted to touch on like Dylan Larkin turning into the captain. Oh, we got a uh, we got a hello from DW3X. How are you, uh, little frog puppet man? He's uh all right. Uh, D <laughs> I like frog puppet man. DW3X. Twenty twenty one is Detroit's year, baby. I hope that you mean too. Like not just the Red Wings. Like we're gonna run. Pistons are turning it on. The Tigers. Maybe if they play a season this year, they'll be good. Yeah, I, I, and hopefully the Lions sign a coach that, uh, you know, even though he looks like PC principal. Um, I can't believe we're getting a former tight end as our coach. But anyway, I, Yay. there weren't any kickers available. I don't know. I don't <laughs> you want to get Pat McAfee in here? Oh, please. Please. <laughs> I want him to moonsault onto Stafford in the first practice. That would be great. Well, back uh, back to the Red Wings conversation. Um, yeah. We do. Uh, we have. We had. I, I had a couple of points I wanted to touch on besides Larkin getting touch the, those uh, points, baby. Touch them. <laughs> so he does get the, the empty net goal uh, yeah. as well. So we, we get the four to two victory. He gets some space. By the way, did uh, did Mickey not sound so effing relieved? I think he was he was cheering Dil Dylan on as he crossed center ice. He's like, "Come on, Dylan, baby. Come on, Dylan, baby." And then Dylan just kind of saucered it towards the net, and he's like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> nothing, like hometown, nothing like the hometown commentary you know <laughs> he has been such a joy like yeah. that this is why like think about all the different announcers that uh detroit sports have had that you and i have had the pleasure of or uh yeah. this pleasure of listening to um there's there's a reason mickey's stuck around like he he knows what he is and he's always done it well like it, it we're not asking him to come in with the hard analytics we're asking him to be a red wings fan and i i tweeted he's our out, proxy yeah he's i the, tweeted he's out the stand in for the fan uh <laughs> obviously he's got more of an education than us but hockey right. education but uh yeah his his like the emotions that he carries he's he's a perfect just vote there's no better way to put it he's our vocal proxy yeah, it was in the first period where I tweeted, we need to get some brown liquor into the broadcast booth so we can really hear what Mickey's thinking. Because uh, <laughs> it, it, it was on, uh, it was about midway through the first. And him, his analysis is just, it's your dad, right? It's your dad watching the game who's frustrated with what's going on. Sometimes yeah. he picks the best player on the team to get mad at. Uh, but I'm not saying Mickey did that, but Mickey was like that representative of like your dad. Cause it wasn't thorough analysis. It wasn't deep, but it was him just going, you're not going to win playing like this. And I was like, Jesus, 
I'm sorry. I'm going to go cut the lawn. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'll go, I'll go shovel that. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I worry about him grabbing Ken Daniels by the, the collar when he said that. <laughs> no! There's nobody else within arm's reach. You know, he's... <laughs> oh, that's right. He's not within arm's reach. Yeah. He's tearing down the plastic wall. Oh, my God. Uh, but it, can, I, can I just say, too, like, it feels like a lot of the, the commentators don't get a lot of leash to be critical. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know how Mickey is able. I, maybe it's just his, his old age and that contract he's got. But I'm so glad he has that leash to be critical of players and plays. It's, it's um, like that, that common, uh, the, the, the knowledge of um, old people could, could become, you know, not serial <laughs> criminals, but they could steal a can of beans every now and then, uh, every now and then at the grocery store and get away with it. Like, it's, it's kind of adorable. So you let Mickey Redmond be Mickey Redmond. Let him, let him forget that there's another hockey Red- team on the ice. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do like your uh, idea for the uh, little brown bottle up in the booth, um, just because I, there we got just a just a taste, just a just a little tip of um, when he, te- he started to tear into Mark Stahl on that on that goal. Oh, oh my God! For the Svechnikov goal, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, he had the turnover and he let his man get away to get wide open for the shot. Oh. Uh-huh. You know, I, and I know I, I kind of, I, I hadn't gotten my point out yet about uh, Dylan Larkin, so I, I'm just going <clears> to, <throat> I do, like, that Mark Stell shit, let's, let's talk about it. If if you guys haven't seen it, I, I might be able to pull up a replay real quick here, but it, it just baffles me what his, his idea was if he had won the battle against Svechnikov. Let's say he won that battle and got got the puck up the ice to who he wanted to get it to. He stood there, Mike, for about a second and a half without making a move. So think think about that. If he had gotten the puck up the ice to where he wanted, what was the next? He's just going to hang out with Bernier out behind the net? Is he taking a breather? Is that what we're all about with Mark Stahl? Because I know, look... Maybe he's got to read the play and figure it out. Maybe that's possible. But just watch that replay again where Mark Stahl tries to throw it up the boards or he loses the battle with Svechnikov. Yeah. What? Sure. Like, there could be well, a that's... moment of, of, of uh, you know, where he's he's got to figure things out again. He's got to get, you know, his brain wrapped around what's going on. But if he got the puck up the ice... Why isn't he moving forward? Which also begs, how does Svechnikov get in front of the net without anybody contesting him? Like, that that's where the problem starts. Like, it's not just that Stahl got beat. There wasn't that thought in his head where you go, this guy's got so many years of experience. This should be no, like, <clears throat> the, 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 the trigger to, to, to fire off when he gets beat is, like, go to the front of the net, Right. Yeah. And he didn't do that. So that's where I'm like, okay, let's pretend like he didn't think he got beat. Maybe he thought the puck was moving up the ice. He's still standing there behind the freaking net. He's still not moving. I don't understand what the hell. He's waiting for that pass so we can set up the play from behind the net. We we already, Mike, uh, it appears we've already selected our our dog for the year because uh, – Nielsen's like, already a healthy scratch, so we can't dog uh, him anymore. Yeah, just to clarify too, I mean, it was it, in in Stahl's defense, it is is Svechnikov, so it's not like it was you know some bottom tier fourth liner right. where this happened. But 
Oh, I think it, it maybe sooner rather than later, we'd like to kind of see, you know, give Dennis uh, Chalowski, you know, some ice time and maybe not uh, like let him kind of learn an experience, get some, you know, uh, ice time against the Svechnikovs. Cause we, we kind of see with all that wisdom, what we're going to get with Mark Stahl this year. Yeah. You know, it was something too, like uh, when when we first picked him up. It was uh, well, I mentioned this last week, but uh, the Broadway Boys, our uh, New York Rangers uh, brothers on the Hockey Podcast Network, were just like, "Hey, good thing you got a draft pick here because uh, this is going to hurt you." <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can't. Uh, yeah, I, I can't maybe uh, the... we'll we'll just start building the case to have some other young player take his spot because I, I think this was uh, Exhibit oh. One. And um, I, uh, here we go. I did. I did find it. Okay. Let's see if uh, let's see if I can get this up here. So again, this is for everybody. This is why you got to follow us on YouTube, everybody. Um, <laughs> just here. Here's the problem with this. The replay isn't perfect here. Uh, so you can see how he's he is like. Look at how his his feet are flat on this. So you got it. We got to wait for it to reset because this is a gif. But his, you know, he gets beat by Svechnikov and his feet are flat. And he and Svechnikov is already moving to the front of the net, and then he goes, "Oh shit!" Again, like that's where the question comes in. If he got the puck to where he wanted it to go, why would he be hanging out behind the net after? <laughs> there's no reason for it. There's there's not nothing good was going to come from that. Okay, I'm done. Yeah, that, I mean, the play that play uh, that, that little clip kind of, it skips the turnover too behind it in our zone. So right. I mean, it's just you only, ugliness. All you only saw one of the two poo-poos. There's actually two piles of poo-poo on that plate. So. <laughs> um, so let me let me flip, go back to Dylan Larkin and, and him being captain now. His first uh, couple of games, his first weekend, uh, his first series. We're going to call him series this year, folks. Um, gets that empty net goal. Mike, what I loved was when it was 4-2. to two. He could have gotten a hat trick in game number two, Mike, and Red Wings fans would have rejoiced. It would have been, yeah, our captain did it. He got a hat trick. And, uh, you know, and think about his stats for the year. Like, he, he's got to be thinking about that. He wants to look good. Like, right? Those those elite players want to see themselves on the leaderboard. But he yeah. fed one over to Nemistikov, who had two different breakaways and is looking like the brand-new Darren Helm of the Detroit Red Wings. Um, just complete <laughs> dumpster fires of, of attempts on the breakaway. Um, really, I, I shouldn't even call it a dumpster fire. It was just him kind of skating up to the goalie and pressing it up against his pads. So he, Larkin sees Nemistikov uh, open in front of the net. Nemistikov still doesn't score, but that's where I'm saying captain. And then the third point, so you, you, you've you got the goals. You've got the tenacious play. My captain, point number three, Larkin is 9 of 14 in the faceoff circle. 9 of 14, according to Natural Stat Tricks. So if that is incorrect, I know they do miss some shots on that and stuff like that. So, but according to Natural Stat Trick, 9 of 14 in the faceoff dot. Um, compared to, like, Fabry was uh, 2 of 14 in game number one. Uh, and and you you mentioned Glenn Denning before. He is the leader in faceoffs on, on the team. I think we all know that. But Larkin, for at least this day, was around 63 68%. Uh, so he took the day uh, on a after losing three to nothing. He stepped it up, and again, close to seventy percent on those faceoffs. Um, yeah, 
I, I mean, that's our captain. I, I just wanted to throw that point out there because, uh, as we all know, uh, probably the more important thing besides uh, having a captain that's playing like one, Mike, was our goaltending for these uh, two games. Uh, because even though, look, it's fine. If you want to say the scoring chances look like they were close um, in game number one, sure. And, of course, that heat map that we showed, all the Red Wings scoring chances came from the side of the net. So, cool. Yeah, I guess we did do great on scoring chances. Anyways, uh, <laughs> Mike Grice, 952 in game one, 952 save percentage. Bernier, 935. Um, I joked with Ryan Lambert and I said, uh, of, of puck soup when he was on the show a couple weeks ago, I said, if the Red Wings are going to be good, what's that save percentage have to be? And he took it seriously. I thought he was going to say, you know, 99. Um, but he, he took it seriously and he said 940. So we're, we're right there in that range. And Mike, we do have a playoff spot right now. So if COVID takes out the rest of the season, the Red Wings are making it to the playoffs. That's right. We're what? at four the Central Division presented by Discover. Um, so <laughs> to finish this point, I, I did uh, I did see posted this morning. Uh, yeah. Goal save versus uh, the expectation of what uh, one might uh, yeah, I don't know come out with for the for the season. I I don't know how to say it. Um, goal saves versus uh, expected. So this is a measurement of who is uh, basically these goalies that are going above and beyond. So there's how many goals you should be saving and then how far beyond are you going uh, past that point? So when you talk about goalie analytics, I think we've said before, it's pretty tough to track. It's, it's hard to see like what, wh which goalie is performing the best. Cause you could look at like those high danger chances that they're saving. And that's one way. This, this is another attempt to figure out who the best goalies are. Mike, if you can see it, <laughs> you'll see at the top of this graph there's a blank space that acts that's actually the representative uh thomas grice there so uh mike in the the top six players of goals saved versus expected so again the t the guys on the top of this list mean they're going above and beyond what the expectation would be from an analytical perspective on a save save percentage and shot saved so you have the expected what it would be and how far past they're going past this. So the guys on the top are doing very well. I don't know how many different ways I can explain it, uh, but I have been told I'm very bad at explaining analytics. <laughs> Anyways, this is a good list to be on. We'll say that. So basically, Thomas Grice is better than Vasilevsky. Got it. Yes. That is what you can pull from this list. He is number two. Mike, number six on this list is Jonathan Bernier. So, so Jonathan. Jonathan Bernier, better than Tuka Rask. Got it. Yes, that is also on there. And Carey Price. Got it. <laughs> and and uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, for anybody keeping track of... Uh, Are we uh, emailing this graph to uh, Bernier for his contract negotiations? God, I hope so. Um, he, he better keep track of this. No, and th this is something, too, where we've made the argument before. Can you just look at a save percentage? Because... You could just be facing more shots, but they're all garbage. So this takes that idea and says, where you know, how many goals should they be letting in? And right on the top of the list, uh, Thomas Grice and Jonathan Bernier. So again, uh, when everybody was joking at the start of the season, what do we have to do to be successful? Yeah, this, I'll this, say that this is a, a way to quantify the eyeball test, where it looked like Grice and Bernier were one hundred percent getting 
peppered with the most terrifying uh, scoring chances you've ever seen in your life. And I, I think a few of those opportunities, definitely in game one, I could have easily justified. Uh, yeah, I probably would have, I would expect to see eight goals in because that's how awful we looked in that game one. And somehow Grace was able to stand tall. And I think three goals was, or two goals was a success. Oh, that was a success. Yeah. Far, far beyond. I mean, it, it, this was, I mean, this is it right here, right? Like this is, this is that represent, like you said, this is how you can take a look at the eyeball test. Yeah, you quantify, right. quantify the, uh, the eyeball I, test. I do yeah. have to throw out there a chart by Sean Tierney uh, at charting hockey and data by uh, at moneypuck.com. So that's, uh, that's spelled out for the, for the Twitter there. Just, uh, just want to make sure everybody knows I didn't make this. Uh, follow Sean Tierney. Uh, it's at charting hockey. The guy is a genius. And of course he's more of a genius. Why? Because he's letting us know why the Red Wings are so darn good. Um, all right. So wrap up the conversation. I think we all could see like the goaltending was a major difference in this, but this is how, that's how you can kind of figure out like, what is the difference here between any other goaltender that has a high save percentage? It's, it's again, going back to those heat maps. We, we looked at the heat maps for the first game and Grice, bless his heart, played his nuts off. Like that heat map was disgusting from the Hurricanes. Just this big old blob right in the middle of the ice. As hard as it could be for a goalie. And then, of yeah. course, our side was was lacking a little bit. Got a little bit better in game two. And, of course, what happens? We come out with the win. Um, so, Mike, we're, we're at 33 minutes. Let's start to wrap up here. Um, sure. we, we talked about adjustments from game to game. I think an easy adjustment we could highlight was taking Franz Nielsen out and putting Bobby Ryan in. That's, that's an easy one. But uh, I do also want to give props to Fabry, who after going two for 14 in game one and the face-off circle went four of 10. And I tweeted out, I want this to mean to everybody how important face-offs are. But also, if Fabry continues to struggle where he's still in that 30%, like sub-30% right now, yeah, that's got to end. Like, we saw Nemistikov. Uh, playing pretty well when when he's he's just making plays and in the right spot, giving himself breakaways. Like he he knows what's up. So I, I also know that he's fine in the faceoff dot. Um, so again, we could applaud Fabry for kind of stepping it up in game one or game two, but he also was a hundred percent faceoff percentage through two periods and then farted out the third period. So it did kind of fall back. Um, so all that all that mixed together, good on Fabry to kind of get it together, but I, I want it also to everybody to see like, wow, face-offs do matter. Let's end this experiment sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, Mike, I, I don't know if you want to touch on, on anything else. Cause I know we've, we've gone pretty heavy into like, what. I think, we, I think we touched uh, all the points and I, I, I just wouldn't be surprised to see as more of these series go along that, uh, there, there might be splits. Cause I, you know, I, I think we've come to the conclusion, Blash will, is a good coach, and uh, <laughs> basically, I hope we don't That's have a single Sanity. injury from the top lines, the top two lines, and uh, God forbid, Heronic goes down. Because, uh, like I said, he's already one of the top minute men in the league. <laughs> uh, so let's let's just quickly take a look at the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, we do want you guys to check out <clears throat> bodpodcast.com slash Red Wings Rant. You can see uh, we're going to be doing um, so-and-so for dummies this, this series. So we did the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, getting you set up for them. And uh, everything kind of fell in line. So I'm pretty proud of what we came up with in that regard. And it is uh, Jesse who's throwing all those uh, uh, letters together for us. Uh, but we will have a Columbus Blue Jackets one going up soon. 
But uh, Columbus is 0-2 with a minus five goal differential so far, Mike. A three to one loss to Nashville and a five to two loss last night, uh, both to Nashville. Uh, they're, they're picked to go somewhere between third and sixth place in this division, only because once you get down to the third spot, it, it's it's pretty tough to figure out who's going to go where. Um, and uh, just to take a look at last season, we did go 0 and 3. We lost 5 to 4, 5 to 3, and 2 to nothing. And in all of those games, Mike, we were sub 40% in uh, regards to possession. So <clears throat> again, 50% means we're even. 40% means we are getting outshot 60 40, and we were sub 40 in all of those games. So Columbus really dominated uh, from a possession standpoint. Oh, the burps. Oh, my God, too much coffee. Uh, so if anything, we want to see improvement, just like we saw we were dominated last year by Carolina. And we come out with a one-to-one series uh, after our first weekend. So uh, Columbus not looking too hot after their first series. So, hey, maybe the Bobby Ryan difference will continue. Um, I don't know. I, I'm feeling good. I, I'm going to say since uh, I, I said we were going to split with Carolina, I don't I don't think it, it hurts to say uh, we're, we're probably going to steal one here from Columbus as well. I, I'm thinking we're going to be riding that uh, last night's victory, and we're, we're going to take Monday. We're going to take that noon game. I'm ready. I'm All ready. Right. Mike, do you have a – who's that Pokemon? Um, I do not have one right now. Um, there isn't okay. really – I didn't have any uh, any sizzle reels for us. It was uh, a lot of humdrum after game one, and I think uh, Blastral just saying, yeah, we competed real hard in game one. Uh, we – didn't there was there wasn't a good contender no that's fine uh let's wrap it up uh everybody find us uh, at bodpodcast.com slash redwings right you can get all the uh, stylings there we are getting a uh, post game uh from jesse as well on redwings rant so check that out if uh, you don't want to miss a thing and um we are at bod hockey on twitter oh and i am doing mike i'm doing wet the beak for the street so basically, I want to I want some uh, some local uh, breweries to get involved here. If the Red Wings win, every night I'm picking a new drink. If we lose, All right. if we win, I'm going to keep drinking that same thing. So guess what I drank last night was uh, Howell Howell Main Street Winery's Rosé. So Mike, I'm going to be drinking wine Ooh. Monday afternoon, watching that Columbus game. Crack it open. <laughs> oh man. Uh, well, we know what's up with drinking those beers Sunday morning. So, uh, everybody, if you want to join in, it's hashtag wet the beak for the streak. You can follow us on Instagram where I've been updating everybody on that. Uh, it's at uh, brothers underscore of underscore discussion. And I also do some tweets on Twitter as well. And that's at BOD Hockey, like I mentioned. So follow along right there and uh, let me know what you guys are wetting the beak for the streak for. Uh, and let's wrap it up, Mike. Uh, enjoy your Sunday. I will. You enjoy your Sunday. Ha-ha! Huzzah!